so I texted you this yesterday, but I'm gonna just, I have to bring it up. You don't remember how we met. I'm trying to, I'm so you scared. Don't. Just shut up and say no. <laughs> no, I do not. Okay, I went to Berkeley, probably started in one of your last semesters, because I think we were like two, three years apart. And are we not the same age? We're not. I'm born at the end of 70, and I think you're yeah, I'm the end of 68. 68. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like a couple years. So, but I started late. Yes. I'm a high school dropout, an idiot that spent a couple years in the studio before I got to nice. Berkeley. Nice. Yeah, I probably should never have gone to Berkeley, but my, my mentors <laughs> insisted that I get around people. It was a good thing, age. and it was a good thing. Wasn't it was it? an incredible thing, and, and we can get into that because I actually I didn't really know you a ton at school. Yeah. Um, but we've worked with a lot of you know, people, similar people after the fact, Absolutely. which is kind of a trip to me because, you know, you, music is a big world and a small world. Yeah, exactly. It's so, so tiny, particularly in the little, in what I, I don't like to call it a genre, but in our field in a way. Yeah. It's really small. Yeah. So everybody kind of knows each other and, yeah. you know. So I'm in the lobby. It's my first semester. And, you know, Music school, any kind of school like that, it, there's an aspect of it that's similar to high school in a way where there are the people that are popular, there are the people that are really, really good at what they do, and then there's 1,500 guitar players. That's right. how I <laughs> refer to Berkeley. Right. So um, I'm in the lobby with, with my buddy Wolf, Stephen Wolf, uh -huh. great drummer, and, and you know, um, he's like, hey man, that's Layla Hathaway, like, you, you should meet her. He's like, you know, basically he was like, he knew you through a group of friends, but he was like, he was like, I know that your father and her father worked together. Right. And so, all right, mind you, at the time, I probably, I was going through my, I thought I was like a cast member of the Cosby Show period. Did you have I on a crazy sweater? A, a little bit of a black scent, you know, it was a, there was a lot of identity <laughs> issues going on. I probably looked more like Stephen Urkel's accountant than actually, you know, I that had a deep thing going on. So I meet you and I'm just, I, you have to know, I was so excited because, you know, I cherish my father's work. And I just, I mean, and obviously, you know, Roberta and your father, like yeah. the, the Atlantic story is so deep in my house. But I met you and you, you were kind of, and, and don't feel bad about that, you were kind of like, uh-huh, all right. You were kind of like... Did I seem nonchalant? Distant, you nonchalant like the epitome was of that special i was special in the moment you were but you were okay but there's a beautiful part to this and i know you don't remember this i doctor sensitive like i i'm like very you know i take things personally i was so excited to meet her i can't believe she didn't wasn't excited you know who's, who else is she gonna meet where like their parents work together right. and had hits together you know so you know that's my own insanity but two weeks later about 10 o'clock at night star market on Boylston. Yes, I had I, a job there. <laughs> did you work there? I did. I worked there. Get out. I, I did. Okay, so I run into you then. Yeah. And you unbelievably not only remembered meeting me, because, you know, whatever, I, you know, I didn't expect you to be like, you know, hey, what's happening? But you saw me and you said, hey, you know, I met you with Steve Wolf in the lobby. I remember meeting you. You know what? I wasn't really nice to you. I said that? You, you gave me a hug. I did. You said, wow. And what you said was, and I can only imagine, you know, listen, we were kids. You said, sometimes when people bring up my father, it's not always really, you know, it's uh -huh. not, I don't love, you know. So I was coming from this like, ah, you know, yeah, yeah, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. and you were like, hey, I was just getting my mail. Like, right, you know, right. we're in the lobby. Wow. And, it, and it gave me, you know, because we don't hang, we talk on Facebook, you know, like, yeah, you know, yeah, there's yeah. this. 
history, but, and I was just like, it was funny, actually, it was kind of for me, this moment of like, wow, you know, I'm around my peer group for the first time in a couple years, I had spent all these years with Marcus and Lenny right. and BB and yeah. Jason Miles, like, you know, it was like a, really, it was like its own Woody Allen movie in a way, and I'm finally getting around my peers, and I'm like, well, I'm going to be friends with Layla, and you were like, hey, um, all right. <laughs> it was just, I thought it was great because for me it was just like, hey, you know what, like, you know, you got to respect people's space and, right. you know, like the things that, the circumstances that surround someone's life, you know, just because you're excited about something. Like, I was like, hey. And, you know, I was probably really super excited, but really, particularly in that point, and I'm almost getting back to it again. Really? Which I have this um, fear of the super fan, and I don't know that yeah, I perceived yeah. you as that, but I do okay. get a lot of people... Like, people come to my shows dressed like my father. No. Yeah. Really? Yes. They wear the hat and they have shoes and they have styled themselves or... Are they like Japanese dudes or is it... Some. Yeah. Some. But, I mean, here in the States. I mean, in Detroit it has happened. And, really? And, you know, a lot of times people have more information about my parents than I have about my parents. Yeah. And so, my first reaction to that is always to stand back. Now, having said that, growing up I did not know, like, that I was the kid of Donny Hathaway. I just was the kid of my daddy. So when I got to Berkeley, I'm walking up the stairs, and Walter Beasley says to me, he's coming down the stairs, he says, hey, are you Donnie Hathaway's daughter? And I said, yeah. He said, I want you to be in my ensemble. Do you have ratings? Go get your ratings so you can be in, a, in my ensemble. And I said, okay. I didn't, I didn't understand what that meant mm. to people. I get it now. Yeah. You know what I mean? But still, when I meet people, sometimes I get these, I get the, particularly from like old heads in the business, yeah. that you would be amazed at the stuff. Really? What? Like? Yes. <laughs> Remind me to tell you something offline. Okay, that that's Just cool. happened last week that freaked me out. Like, you know, it, it's just one of those things. People forget that I'm his child. Well, that's know? the thing. And, and you know, I, I listen, on a much, much smaller scale, behind the scenes scale, I've definitely had a thing in my, in my career where people assume stuff's easy for you. Right. Stuff just happens. You just walks through a door. Yeah, and, and it's really funny because I had this kinship with sort of second generation or third generation, you know, like, you know, I know certain guys, like I'm buddies with Charlie Drayton. I mean, his grandfather was the bass player in Louis Jordan's band. Wow. You know, his father recorded one of La Train's last concerts and became one of the first black, like, advertising execs in, in, in music. Oh, wow. I mean, so there, there are these... Music, you can have a lineage. People right. think like, oh, well, you know, whatever. It's like this thing and it's easy to get back to that. Yeah. And it's just, it's ridiculous to me because all I ever think of is, you know, when I was a kid from the age of about eight until 19 or 20, my father didn't work. Right. You right. know, right. he right. didn't work. Nobody sees that shit though. They always, they, nah. see, they see the hit records and the everything. And, and in my dad's case, you know, they see the, the last day of his life. And it's it's mm. almost as important as the music in a way to certain people. Yeah. You know? So I totally get that. I don't, because I, I think that people sometimes, oh, well, maybe I'm, it's funny. I would think that maybe I'm a little still angrier about it than you. So I look <laughs> up to you, big sister, because, yeah, I, I never really got it, I'm, especially from peers, because I always, even in a, you know, listen, we're in, a, we're in an environment at, at, like Berkeley, you know, where it's competitive, it's yeah. like, it's competitive, there's a lot of jealousy, there's a lot of, you know, you can't do this, if you like this, you're a loser, right. if you don't like this, 
you know, so it kind of cracks me up to think that like Walter would be like, you know, your daughter's kid, go get your ratings. Right. Like, you know, I'm like, my ratings were horrible. Like, right, right, <laughs> right. Ask me. I think, I think I, understanding from where he came from, understanding that like my, you know, my dad was such a huge influence on him. His thing yeah. was get yourself set up so I can hear you. I want to hear yeah. you on, you know. Well, that's cool. Yeah. Prove that you can work within this system. Yeah. They, I, but yeah. it was more like whatever your ratings are, just hurry up and get them so you can be in my ensemble. Right. Right. I was, so. I think I, I subbed in his ensemble. He was great. Yeah. I always liked I love him. Walter. He was always really cool. Good cat. Encur- yeah. Encouraged me to sing jazz. Were you not singing jazz? I was not. And when what, I, were you, what were you into? I was into nothing. And I went to the, really? I went to a performing arts high school in Chicago where I was told to try the theater department because my voice was way too low and too breathy. And when I got to Berkeley, Girl. I auditioned like with a Tandy mic, singing like an Ann Murray song. <laughs> and oh, good Lord. My That's mother amazing. Said, I like Ann Murray. I, I love Ann Murray. She's got great. My mother said, you can't just sing jazz now. You can't. That's not something everybody can do. Everybody doesn't do that. Right. And I said, well, I want to try. And I got to Berkeley and I did the singer's showcase and I did all that stuff and then right about the end of that first semester I started really wanting to stretch and I was living on the eighth floor which is the name of my production company really yeah I didn't know that eighth floor production oh and I, I, was, I lived on seven uh, yes I, re- I kind of remember that for some reason and I was living amidst all these guys that were giving me these really just feeding me every day I was getting the Schofield records and the Miles records and the Bud Powell records and the Ornette Coleman records and the, I was just getting all this information and I was like, oh, this is, I was drawn. Yeah. And, and I told Walter, I want to I wanna sing, I want to scat, I want to sing jazz, but I'm afraid I'll mess it up. And he said, oh, you're going to fuck it up. Oh, yeah. You're going to mess it up bad. Yeah. But then it'll get better. Yeah. And I just, I took that and I just ran with it. That's great. I had no idea that, yeah. you know, I, see, here's the thing, even though, like, you know, we're, we're, whatever from like a similar world like i don't know yeah. that's why i'm talking to you yeah. because i think a lot of people don't know like you know you know whatever i i was into you know when i got to school i found it i didn't want to play jazz i never wanted to play jazz that was the weird part about it for me because i got there and i was like i <laughs> you're gonna laugh i got there and all i wanted to be was bobby brown's bass player <laughs> I, I thought that would be the right. coolest thing ever. That makes sense for and that, that time. Made, well, it, absolutely. It was you know? the epicenter absolutely. of like, you know, I thought I'm going to be, and Wolf says this too, because Wolf worked with Mary J. Blige and he, the, the Kern, the music director said to him, he's like, you're going to be, you'll be, you'll be the trailblazing white drummer of, you know, <laughs> he said, you'll be the Martin, you know, he said this, not me, you'll be the Martin Luther King of this world. Oh my you know? God. And I'm like, you know, that's horrible. But, you know, I just, I had spent all these years around like, you know, Marcus and Lenny and working on those records and Sanborn and Miles. And I had this window into a world where I was like, I'm not going to, I can't do that. Right. I want to be around stuff from my peers. Right, and right, right. I right. want to do cool you stuff. You want to be in the hot. You want to be in the hot shit. Yeah. So I wanted, you know, I was like, I'll show them. Yeah. Said, Boy, did I not, you know, like in a certain <laughs> way. It was so weird because I spent all this time doing those kinds of gigs and getting around those guys, and they're, you know, I'll never forget my one friend was on Bobby's gig, and he, and he was like, um, we didn't get paid for three weeks. Oh. Yeah. That'll happen. <laughs> That'll happen. We got shot at. Yes, that'll happen. (laughs) You know, he was like, if you can work with Lou Reed, you might want to do that. (laughs) Meanwhile, Marcus Miller is like on the Forbes list for jazz musicians. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? No. And here's the thing. You know, I caught the end 
of a run of work that he did, you know, and he, he's on the Forbes list for a reason. Yeah. You know, 12 straight platinum records for mm -hmm. Luther, mm -hmm. tons of other platinum records for, you know, Sam. Sam, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, just I, so many th things I, I can't even, Mark, uh, Miles. Right. I mean, Tutu was a gold or platinum record yeah. as well. Publishing, business. I learned more about and and never exchanging words. I watched him. I, I tell He's people not that a all, guy that tells you a thing. I tell people that all the time. Like of all the people, he's probably the one that I learned the most just through osmosis, just being yeah. around him, watching him be a band leader, yeah. uh, watching him score, watching him talk to musicians, yeah. watching him do his thing. I call him the band whisperer because I have been on gigs. <laughs> I've been on gigs with Marcus with the crappiest bands where he sits in on somebody's bass that's not even quite in tune yeah. and I watch him with the bass like whisper the funk to the rest of the yeah. people and I've seen it happen yeah so I know he has a gift that is um he's yeah. he's a spec he's he, his records don't and I you know if he was to hear this you know I hope it wouldn't insult him his records don't do him justice in I agree a way. I agree I think he's, I don't think mine either I don't think any with the real greats I don't think so right that live thing is that Thing that you can't really capture. Listen, I look. You know, everyone went nuts last week, and then you know, by the time this thing airs, you know, the snarky puppy thing will will have been maybe about six eight months old. Yeah, yeah. I, I sent you an email, and literally, <laughs> I I said I threw my laptop at my desktop, <laughs> and it wasn't just because of the uh, you know like you know yeah. I don't do it service. There's a thing that happens live, and and I think there's a certain kind of artist. It, it, the record. If you can get it and you can capture it and you can capture them in that moment, great. It's hard. Right. And it's harder now. Absolutely. Because it doesn't exist the same way. I think you are basically an artist. I think that, you know, if it was 73, 74, we'd see another kind of record. Right. Because I think you could. And, and here's the thing, though. I know your records. The thing I love about your records at the same time is that it never sounds like you're trying. We're going to make a hit. Right. Clearly you not. Know, it's not the little rascals. Let's put a show together. <laughs> We're going to show. You know, it's like you don't, you just, I, whatever was happening. I am trying to make a hit when that, when that is happening. I know. I hear those records and I think, okay, these are good songs. I'm singing them okay. They sound good. Let's get them on the radio. Then that shit just well, never really pans out. <laughs> I, and, and trust me, I, you know, I do the same thing with my records and it's really weird. I, you know, I, I became an artist by accident and I do this thing and it's so funny, you know, I, I went to Japan and I opened for Marcus oh, for yeah. a tour and I'll never forget what the looks on people's faces because he was hip enough to say, listen, you're going to be in the band for a tour. We were signed the same label and like, you know, go ahead, you open up, open up the show. And yeah. I was like, are you sure? Are you, yeah. Are you sure? You know, and, and it was like, yeah, do your thing. I, you know, I like your records. He's like, you would just fine. Yeah. Oh boy. There was some perplexed faces. <laughs> it was either extreme love or like, I had one guy one night, get off the stage. Oh <laughs> no. I, and I was like, oh really? Oh. And what I did was I had this whole bank of sounds and I was like, oh, you want to hear Marcus? I had all of these solos chopped up and spread out across the keyboard and all these Jamaica boy samples. And I was like, well, here's Marcus. Here's a period of Marcus you might not know. Right. You know, by the way. So I did that. But the thing is, on the, on the record tip, it's like, I think it's really hard to make records now. I do too. I, I mean, actually, you know, I, 
I make them where I'm just in a room. It's right. just me. I don't rely. My thing is, I got to a place where I did so many records as a side man, so many things for other people. I was like, well, what do I want to do? And my thing was, I don't want anyone around. Yeah. I'll get someone after the fact. You know, I'll, I'll call Bill Frizzell or Charlie Hunter or you know, Fathead. You know, like I'll get them to play on the thought when it's already finished. Right. It's not. These aren't those times. Like, look at the charts. These records are not made. There, there aren't, there's no rhythm section in the room. Yeah, there's no instrument sometimes in a room. I went to a session, and it was for, uh, they, and this is great, they didn't really let me in the room. It was a little too precious for Kesha. You know, the, <laughs> you can't see the face that Miss Hathaway is making on the radio right now. They did Nothing against her. <laughs> nothing against her at all. No. Is she the same girl as Katy Perry or no? Same producers. Yes, yeah, same song. Same, same sometimes. Same song. It's the same Pro Tools session. I don't care what you say. Those two songs are the same song. Those two. I know. Well, here's the thing. I, I, you know, Wolf was there and he came out of the room and he was like, they don't even have a keyboard. Like, there's not even a controller. No. Everything's being drawn in. And I think, you know, there's, if you, you know, for the purposes of being politically correct, which I actually don't give a shit about. I mean, there's right. a beauty to that. I yeah. don't really... To me, though, if you know you're gonna go in, and it's the reason why we're talking to artists like you know, and just people like you, we're talking to chefs, politicians, we're oh, talking yeah. to lots of different people. It's like what what happened? Yeah, where, <laughs> where was the lapse? Where was the? There's a huge chasm. What's mm. weird is that I don't have a problem because when I was growing up, like Disco Duck was a big record, oh. and it's a terrible record. Oh, but, but I loved it. Yeah, I like the Spice Girls. I like. Katy Perry. I like some Kesha songs. What I hate is the imbalance. Yeah. It's the fact that, you know, I can't afford to take a percussion player out and I'm actually trying to create an experience. Yeah. And the radio is feeding like the same song over and over and over again to the audience. Yeah. So to me, it's just about the imbalance and, and you know, I'm on the board of Neris. Yeah. And, okay. which, is, which is scary. Why? Um, because as a musician, I feel slightly disenfranchised from this whole industry. I feel slightly, it's a weird place to be, you know, you need to be involved so that you can be part of the decision making and part of the process and, yeah, kinda, and have your voice be heard. You gotta watch the store. Yeah, you gotta exactly. Store. You gotta yeah. vote. Yeah. But there's also a piece of me, which is that I'm coming to terms with, like, there's a there's a hierarchy in this business right now, which is really like a scary place to live. You know what yeah. I mean? So I don't want to live there. I just want to go there and visit like once a week. Right. Be like, uh, hey, Layla's here. Yeah. Oh, this is cool. Absolutely. Well, that's what I, I feel like it's kind of turned into that just in general. I, 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 you know, I've had a couple things in the last couple of years where music of mine has been used in places where, and I love these moments where it's like, well, something shows up in a movie and that movie's a hit. So that creates this sort of like, like email trail of like, mm -hmm. hey, how you doing? Let's yeah, have a right. meeting. Hey, yeah. I've never, you know, like let's right. become friends, and then you know, it never really turns into anything because the bottom, the bottom line is, I should never probably be in a room with anyone making a decision for Rihanna. You right. Know? I know that that's not my lot in life. I shouldn't be there. But it's kind of funny every once in a while to get called. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Yeah. But you would be more qualified <laughs> to be there than say somebody there where you are mm. you know what i mean i just Absolutely. think there's not enough actual people involved my old man used to always say you know he he just is really funny he would just say like listen every day just write something like you know turn the sign over from closed to open every morning right you know just 
do stuff and you'll be amazed who reacts to it. Yeah. And it's really true because honestly, you know, I've had this like, I, I think it's been incredible because I've never really had to leave my house. I mean, with the exception of the one tour I did with Marcus and some tours I did for some records, like I just stay in the house. You just do and your I, thing. I email stuff and people send stuff back yeah. and you know, it's like, you do it for the love. Completely. You do it for the love. Completely. Yeah. And, and, a, and a lot of it, the love actually came out of what I learned from my old man, from the records he made. There was a part of me that was like, hey, how can I write something that Les McCann would want to be on? Right. How can I like write something where right. I can get David Fathead Newman on a song and it'll work, it'll make sense. Right. So it's continuing yeah. that legacy because my father, in a way, was And the legacy same. is a big word. A lot of people don't have that. And we have a literal, a real legacy. Yeah. But there's a, there's a whole generation of children that don't have any legacy, mm. which is not, not only not a literal legacy, but not even like... I mean, can you imagine that a 12-year-old now, a 13, your 13-year-old, what yeah. are her oldies going to be when she's 30 or 40? His oldies are going to be... His oldies. No, it's cool. Cole's going to be... He's a str- He's not a typical kid because... <laughs> well, right, because yeah, he's, I'm, he's, he's already he's got you. caught up in my filter, as it right. were, and, you know, he'll be like... The music that my god kids listen to yeah. is atrocious. It's, it's not music that I would have on the radio if my mom's in the car. It's right. the language. It's the content. It's the over-sexualizing. It's the... It's, it's, there's no instruments. It's the auto-tune. It's the melodyne. It's all right. of that shit. And it's combined into something that is not going to last. It's, it's fast food junk. Well, and I'm glad you said that because it is a direct parallel between what we eat, yeah. who we vote for to make our laws. Absolutely. You know, all of this is intertwined. And it's funny, you know, we've done a bunch of these, you know, for the show. We've, we've spoken to so many people and there's, I don't think, at least some, for my interviews, because Charlie and I do them separately, there has not been a moment that I've spoken to someone where, uh, a, a rather, a, a, an interview where we haven't come back around to the fact that the culture dictates what the music is, as opposed to uh, whatever happened to Marvin Gaye right. making an entire album with a magnifying glass. Right. A statement. Yeah. The, you can't make a statement album. Well, you can't. Excuse me. You know, you can make any record you want. It's just, well, the bandwidth is so narrow. The bandwidth is you narrow. may not. The no windows are closed. The windows yeah. are closed. And I mean, you know, there's only, if you look at the radio, radio we can't even talk about. No, it's that, pointless. It's, 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 it's complete the yeah. entity that doesn't even really exist anymore. But even in the last round of working my record, going to the record station mm-hmm. and, I mean, going to the radio station and talking to these cats that are the on-air personalities or whatever, sure. they don't know the last record they played. There's a no. computer that does everything. Yeah. You know what I mean? They don't, they don't, they're not interested in the music. There's no... Really? No, they so don't So what are they care. talking to you about? They're do, just do they talking. ask the same five yeah, questions they, every they, time? Yeah, they go on that bio. Oh, the daughter of Donnie Hathaway. What's it like growing up? You went to Berkeley. Oh, blah, 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 blah. Really? I mean, it's, yes, it's the same thing over and I over feel again. I'm embarrassed. I started off with Donnie Hathaway and I went right to Berkeley. <laughs> no, no, Although no. we were there. It's, yeah, yeah <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's so sad because there's no, there's no understanding. Like when I was growing up in Chicago, on the radio... Mm. You would go to like a different cat each segment and they played a certain thing. Right. They had shows. Yeah, they had and shows. And their shows were and indicative of their personality. Absolutely. And, and of the region. Right. You know, right now, particularly, and I, and I can only really speak for black radio because I deal with it all the time. Mm-hmm. But as you go across, if you had to drive across the country right now and listen to urban stations or urban adult stations, it's, it's basically like two or three guys across the entire country. 
that run it. Really? Yeah, and they're only playing like 15 records. Right. So you got like the Steve Harvey show. Sure. Ricky Smiley show, Tom Joyner show, all of whom are great guys. Yeah. You know, great, funny, talented guys. But they're all, there's no, who's my local cat? Who's telling me that's, what bands are playing around over. town? That, that doesn't exist anymore. That's over. And I think it ended longer ago than I think we want to admit. Absolutely. Because I think as conglomerates started buying, mm-hmm. you know, sort of multi, well, you know, listen, I remember, and this is tangential, but my father told me a story once um, when Atlantic Records at one point was owned by a company that owned parking lots. Hmm. That's all. It was, I think it was called Kinney Parking Systems, and they're still in New York. They owned for a short time Atlantic, and then Atlantic was sold to, I think, you know, like, it became part of Warner Music Group, and uh-huh. it was, became a, a company. You know, they went from, let's record Coltrane, to, to like, you know, uh, we, we own part of the New York Cosmos. Like, uh-huh. we're a part of a... And he said, he learned everything about cor- corporate culture, but boy, was he not a corporate guy on any level. He had an office which I'm sure was as messy and it was like if Kramer had an office, you know, from Seinfeld and he had plants and he said that they had put stickers on the plants that they would water because those were the plants that the corporation put in his room oh, and wow. any other plants that he had, they would, die. they would wither so away. He's, die. Like, he's working with the, you know, at the same thing, he's like working with Bette Midler, Rossan, yeah. Yousef, he's in and out of his office, like four minutes at a time. And he's like, that plant is dying. Oh. What, what, what's going on at night? And he stops the, and there you, know, you have it. They're, they're, yeah. Yeah. Really, that's it. And mm-hmm. that's 1972. Wow. So this, the culture of this is, you wow. know, it's is been, it's, it's been that way for a really long wow. time. And I, you know, it's funny, you say regionally, the radio thing is weird because there are, like in, in Chicago, Norm Winter used to run WXRT. XRT oh, wow. was... That's the rock station? That was yeah. like the hard rock station? Yeah. yeah. And he's like a really legendary radio guy. Uh-huh. And I got insanely lucky with him because someone sent him a record of mine and he just, I mean, this is a station that has Billy Corgan from Smashing Pumpkins do their Chicago Cubs, like, you know, game day, like, you know, rock and roll baseball. And he just liked one of my records and he played it. And all of a sudden, my dad just totally cracked up. He's like, you have a regional hit. No one that doesn't right. There used to happen. be regional hits. He's like, you're right. selling records in in San Francisco and Chicago mm-hmm. like 10, 20 times more than the rest of the country. And right. I did opening day for the Cubs on air. Like right it was on, like right I was on. like, yes, I got to go to Wrigley. And then like you know, it was like fifteen minutes of like you know, excuse yeah. me, not fifteen, thirteen minutes. Of, right, right, right. It was happening, and then you know, they move on. Yeah. But this this notion of a regional thing, I'm glad I kind of felt it a little, but I know that's like... I would like... To, they're very rare now. There used to be people that were only hits, like in the Southern California area, and sure. you had a hit, and you could live, and you could yeah. tour. Yeah, you yeah. You know what I mean? It doesn't happen anymore, I don't think. No. Well, but how's touring? Touring is okay. I mean, I'm, I'm out. I work a lot, and I really do consider myself a musician first, and so... There were a lot of times that I didn't have a record out and I would be on tour. I'd be out with Marcus or Hiram or or Sanborn or Joe Sample or I would be working. So I yeah. stay working as much as possible. Would you be working in their bands and also doing a set with your own band or were you no. incorporated into their shows? Yeah, I was usually like a feature, like oh. I, the, which is why I like to think of myself as the Nicki Minaj of real music. 
Like, <laughs> I tweeted that the other day, and her little minions were so upset, and I was like, it's a compliment, you fools. It's a total it's, I love I'm her, everywhere. by the way. So do I. I love her. Absolutely. Absolutely. I meant it as the highest compliment. I'm like oh. the guest. I'm the feature on, yeah. on a lot of records. Yeah. A lot of records. Yeah. So I go do those tours like the... There's a real beauty to that. that yeah. That's a thing that it's, doesn't it's really fabulous. happen. It's fabulous. And I'm, I'm proud of that. And I'm, you know, I'm on like seven records with Marcus. I'm on yeah. a whole bunch of records with Michelle. I'm on yeah. with Take Six with, with Jose. I mean, there's a lot yeah. of people, a lot of great, great people. Yeah. That when their name pops up, maybe my name will pop right. up. You know it's, what I mean? Yeah. And I think that's really great. So no, I stay working. Exactly. Well, and that's the thing. And it's funny, you know, you have an interesting thing because you make records, but you, you guest on records. And I think that, like, I've been a sideman on a lot of records, but my own records have nothing whatsoever. <laughs> like, so little. I mean, I, I'm on one Marcus record. It's a Silver Rain. And like the connect- I'm on that record too. Yeah, I'm sh- well, if you're on seven, <laughs> the chances are pretty high. And I did like three tunes, and it was like, it's really funny. Like this, this no, it's. I sort of explain to people like, listen, I came through this filter, but like what I do, it it, it has nothing right to do with it, but it does have something to do right. with it. You right. know, the one time I had him on one of my records, I was like, play bass clarinet. That's what want, I had him do. Yeah. That's what I had him do. Why any, you know, I want to get you, like, and he killed it. Of course. That's and what he, he did. And he did it in, like, he, I, it was all through email, and he did it in, like, an hour. That is what he does. That is yeah. what he does. And who knows where he was. He was probably, yeah. like, you know, in Estonia. Yeah. You know? <laughs> He's in Belgium. Tucker, you know, Tucker, get me the, you know, the, right. get the microphone in the inbox, you know, or whatever. But, it, you know, I was just stunned. Like, people are like, well, why, if you're going to have someone, like, that on your record, why not have him do? I'm like, I'm a bass player. I don't need him to play bass on my and record. And we know that. We yeah, already, we know. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's Marcus is one of those cats too. Like he's like a prince cat. I've seen yeah. him at a club in Tokyo at two in the morning play piano like Red Garland and then get on drums, yeah. you know, and then play guitar. He's just he's that cat. I know. You know? Last time I saw him, I hadn't seen him in like four or five years. I ran in, into him in the valley. Actually, this is kind of funny. He called this store looking for a bass. And I was standing there, and I didn't know the owner of the store, and he was just like, oh, hey, you know, he's like a funny, like, older, lovey Jewish guy, and he was just like, oh, Marcus, how you doing? And I was just, I looked at him, I go, I mouthed, I was like, is that Marcus Miller? And he was just like, looking at me like, who are you, schmuck? You know, and I was like, give me the phone. Right and now. Like, and he goes, no. And I go, give me the phone. <laughs> he's it's like, hilarious. oh. So there's a guy that owns, the, his partner in the store is this Russian guy. So I just totally was just like, Marcus, how are you? You have a good day today. It's so nice to talk to you. Listen, I have best best for you. And Marcus is just like, literally like, uh, 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 hey, uh, okay. uh, uh. He's so cool though. He's just he so cool. He didn't flinch, right. but he, he, for him, he flinched. Yeah. Uh, Marcus, you coming in, I see you soon. Yeah, I get best eight strings. Do you give me a four more hey. strings? Then you need, you know. So finally he's like, he goes, who is like, I'm like, Marcus, it's Adam. And he goes, you idiot. And yes. he basically just hung up on right. me. But then he came in and he said hi to me for like an eighth of a second and he went in the room and it became a clinic and it was like, just like, he just played bass for two hours. Yeah. I was like, I gotta go, I gotta do, wow. Like yeah. I've seen a lot of this, yeah. so, you know, like <laughs> I've heard a lot of bass solos, yes. Marcus, I gotta go. He's, he's that cat. He really is. Yeah. It's like Michael Jordan. Yeah, you know? he really and we is. Want to, we, that, we don't have to use this stuff, but, but I'm just, it's, it's interesting, you know, I, you know, I spent all these years around him, and like, I talked to him eight minutes a day. 
Like yeah. I didn't, we didn't speak. You said that earlier. Yeah. It was just like, okay. Yeah. He's just somebody you just hang with. One of the best storytellers I ever met. Yeah. You know, he's, he's actually really that cat. Like I'd just be on the bus like, <laughs> tell me more. Tell, then what did Miles say? You know, so he's just cool. I really hope that I'm like that to some musician. I hope yeah. that other musicians look at me the way I look at Marcus. Cause he's somebody, he's just like a treasure trove of goodness. Yeah. There's just so much shit I've learned watching him communicate you know yeah. what I mean that it, that was it, it's not quite tangible I couldn't even tell people how to do it we did a clinic together which I, I poster in there oh where and just um at UCLA oh okay yeah and it was interesting because I'm always nervous doing the clinic because I'm not a very a-type personality I don't know how to do what I do and right. I really just do it right and learn doing it is a very natural thing for me but doing that clinic with him really got me into doing these clinics because as he he's so easy mm. you know what i mean and so as i did that clinic with him i began to do more clinics just after being in that one clinic with him like okay i just need to talk about the process you know That's what i mean it, yeah i mean he demystifies a lot of things he does i you know it's funny i i did i used to do a lot of clinics for technology stuff for um this software called reason made by propeller heads it's like you know wait, wait, why are you making a reason face? is the bane of my existence and why? every time they that make a insane. new every time they make a new one i'm like i'm gonna get it this time i'm gonna learn it i'm gonna learn it oh please you know, it's like, so easy do you know what i do mostly with reason i just turn the rack around and watch the chords <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's mostly what i'm doing Oy. oh that's well that's a drag that's my whole existence my entire career i'm gonna I, I mean, i'm gonna find you then for like two hours i need to sit down with somebody that understands it i mean that's all i do another thing is I, moving yeah. to la yeah not a lot of my friends are most of my friends are musicians but they're not technical it's not it's not in that way like there was a time in my life when everybody i knew uh, had Motu gear and had the, all this stuff and had the uh, digital performer and all the stuff. Logic. Yeah. You know, and you know. now um, none of my girlfriends use that for whatever reason because they don't need to use it at school or wherever they work at the oh, really? And so I find that with gear, it's hard. It's hard to learn for me. How do you write? Well. Because I know you write. I don't. I, mean, I, I haven't really been writing. I've been experiencing like a weird writer's block. For like the last almost 10 years. It's really weird. Like I've written these records. Yeah. And I do well with the co-writes. But really just sitting down. And I just got a Rhodes. Right. And so it's, it's you know, I'm sitting down and writing with the Rhodes. But I had like this really weird thing happen like 10 years ago. And it really shut me down in such a way that I have never been shut down before. Mm. And so I did a record called Self-Portrait, which a lot of that was about that experience. And um, the last record, I really was starting to get my sea legs back. And so I'm starting mm -hmm. to get my sea legs back. But I am like that geeky chick that has two, you know, fitness bands. I will, I will buy all the stuff. I do have a machine. And I do have the machine micro. And I do want the next one because I want to play with it and see how it works. Oh, that's so funny. You know? I, I, I am the same guy because I'll buy everything that I needs. just want to look yeah. at it and play with it. Yeah. The yeah. learning curve on the gear for me is, is just high. It is. Reason shouldn't be hard for you. I'm shocked. I will sit with you. And it has nothing to do with Yes. But it's partially so because easy. I haven't felt juicy. I haven't felt yeah. like I had songs. So I keep, you know, going to the gear and 
going to the stuff. Yeah. And the, you know. So there's the music. So your your partners that you're right. I, I see it later. So like uh, I don't know how to pronounce his Rashan. name. I, I, is it Rasan? Yeah, he's named. Because I hate this Rashan. No, no, no. Rasan. It's, it's not Rashan. He's Roland named Kirk. for Rasan Roland Kirk. Right. Yeah. And that's amazing. Yeah. He's, and now he's I want to meet him because yeah. anybody named. You should meet him. You should. You should. He's yeah. Nuts Boots, uh, one of my really good friends and very talented and very much a lyricist and songwriter, which I don't meet a lot of those. No, you know? it's both. I meet a lot of cats that make beats and, right. and make four-bar oh, loops that yeah. that they want to call themselves producers. Well, that, yeah. I, I once did a... Oh, God. I once did one of these... You know, these... Pan Have you ever been on these panels where they get, like, you know, an artist, an executive, yeah. a producer? I did one with Hank Shockley from Public Enemy and, like, oh, boy, like a manager of, a, like, a metal band, like Korn or one of these bands. And he was a really sweet guy, yeah. but, like, Hank just... Decimated. Decimated. Oh. And I found I was like Henry Kissinger on the panel because it was like, <laughs> it, was, it was for propeller heads. You know, they, they did this thing, they have like producers thing. And I remember Hank sitting there and because you so eloquently just some old beats or whatever. Someone asked a question and said, well, you know, I make beats and he, he, you know how like Les will scream, like Les McGarry, what a motherfucker. You know, yes. he went off on this kid and I was just like, whoa, like yeah. he's, he's a kid. Like right. he doesn't know. And all of that's valid. It's valid. Totally valid. But so was what Hank is saying. Yes, but <laughs> yes. So don't, don't, don't tell me you're a songwriter and a yeah. producer and you made a four bar loop yeah. with some samples from other people's shit. Oh, yes. You know. And here's the thing. The whole and and do you know how Public Enemy really made their records? Do you know the prop? No, because this will blow you away. Actually, Chuck D tweeted me one day, and I just oh, about lost my yeah. whole shit. I think I fainted, and it wasn't even me. Like <laughs> Chuck D is. I hung out once with my old man and Chuck D. My dad did some interview on what was that called? Air America. Air I America. Think Chuck D had a show, mm -hmm. and my father somehow was interviewed for something. He was and is the coolest guy oh, yeah. I've ever met. Yeah. I mean, he was so cool. Like triple cool yeah but back to this other thing uh they made their records in just about the hippest way i've ever seen a hip-hop record made nothing was sequenced they had three or four guys they all had samplers they loaded in the things that they were going to use in the track and they played oh wow they re-triggered manually everything oh wow i sat with hank one day because i kind of he came to my place and we were you know i I was kind of showing him reason. Actually, it was similar. Like I was like, well, I use it this way. And he knew it already a little bit, but he's just a really inquisitive guy. He, yeah. he was like, well, how do you use it? Because right. I hear your records and there are these little snippets of you know, all these 30s records. And how do you put this together? And I said, listen, I do with this software hopefully exactly what you guys did. But you guys, you went to tape. Right. And, and you like, I, I just looked at him. Imagine. Um, I, I said, you're the Basie band of hip hop. Right. You the guys, possibilities are endless for fuck-ups. Endless. I mean, so they, when they did a track, they recorded what was like what we would call like we got our basic tracks. Uh -huh. you know, we get our rhythm section and then like you overdub and do the vocals or maybe you do them live. When I found out that that's how they made their records, I actually stopped listening to all other hip-hop. Wow. It just died for me. because Are I they the like, only ones that did it like that, you think? Uh, I, I, I think, yeah. I don't think, I mean, uh, Fight the Power is I have to go back a to that. symphony. Yeah, I'd have to go back to that. It does, it does have movements, actually. It, it, I it, love that record. Not only does it have movements, it has, like, layers upon layers. It's, it's dense, and, like, I don't know about you, when I 
saw that movie. I was by myself in the theater, and when I heard radio, you know, radio Rahim walking around, I was just like, I stood, I stood up. I saw that I in the theater at, in Boston. Oh, you saw? Oh, yeah. I saw it in New York, and it was in what I referred to. I said it earlier as Jewish, Jewish Harlem. Harlem. I saw it on the Upper East Side, and I stood up, and I just hated all white people. Oh no! I, no. <laughs> I was I was militant and Jewish and angry at all hatefulness. Hilarious. Yeah. Well, I'm an idiot. What is your T-shirt? Uh, it's a friend of mine. This guy, this animator for um, what does he do? Cartoon Network shows. He just made these funny little. Sh- t-shirts i love that yeah peter michael is his name I'll, I'll forward you i need that yeah this is kind of really hip <laughs> i really need to i need something like that yeah no it's oh, i don't know the name of the company and what is the prior music thing that you have on your facebook i don't know anything wow, about it wow you're freaking me out why because i was just about to say i think i got that gig because i was wearing this shirt <laughs> I, went, <laughs> I was like is it richard pryor oh, no. or is it isaac from the love boat <laughs> I don't know who it's it is. Isaac Pryor. It's Isaac That's Pryor. That's who's on my t-shirt. Yes. Yeah. No, I, so the Pryor thing is a trip because, um, the beat, so, all right, I can, I compose music for documentaries. I've done, you know, and this is actually kind of a thing. It's funny. I learned that I wanted to do composing for films and working on films because I worked on House Party with Marcus and Lenny as yeah. like the assistant. And right. I was like, this is this cool. cool. Yeah. You know, Marcus was with his wife, Brenda, I think, I think is, you know, she was pregnant and, you know, they had a doctor's appointment and I actually played on one of the scenes. I subbed for him. I was like, Lenny was like, he's like, Adam, you know, we're going to do this sound like, you know, uh, what is it? uh, What's Luther's tune? Bad boy going to a party Uh where they, they tempted in and I was like, you know, yeah. And, uh, I, you know, I always really wanted to get into that and I've, I've done a bunch of films. I've actually been lucky. Like I scored a bunch of docs and films and I, and my friend, was working on this Richard Pryor documentary and she, uh, Amine is her name, she's a music supervisor and she, she got in touch with me like four or five months before the gig was even going to happen. She's like, you need to do this gig. This is your gig. She was like, can you do me a favor? Put together like, a, you know, folder of music Real, and yeah. score stuff in your albums and write a letter. So I was like, well, the music is just going to confuse him because I've done all this weird, like yeah. I did a score with Brian Eno, like I have all this really unrelated stuff. But I wrote a letter to them and basically I just said, um, when I was nine years old, I found the Richard Pryor record wasn't something I said. And I basically pretended I was Mudbone for five years. <laughs> I was like, my father, unfortunately, is no longer around to verify this, but will you please hire me? Yes. Because I, w- I literally transformed my life because of this man. Because I get it. Because yeah. I, I got it then. I mean, literally in the same week, I, I heard Louis Jordan and, and Richard Pryor. Uh, I remember where I saw Louis Jordan on Tom and Jerry cartoon, you know, is you in? Yeah, 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 yeah. My baby. That is one of my And favorites. I heard, you know, so inappropriate for like a nine-year-old to listen I, to that. I had, my mom record. had the the eight track in the car. Oh my God. So she would pull up to her post office box and we'd sit in the car double parked and while she was in there, <gasps> I would pull that thing out and I would go in there and get the Oh. Thing. Absolutely. Wow. And I'm sure she wasn't really. She was not. <laughs> or and she didn't know. She, yeah, we would pop it back up. But, he, but Richard had the, the secretary who was also my dad's secretary. Really? Yeah. I didn't know A woman that. named Barbara Wilson. Wow. Yeah. Get out. So growing up, I wanted to be a comedian. You well, know you, I mean? and basically, when I was going to introduce you, I was going to say, Layla Hathaway, um, comedian, future <laughs> t- late night TV show host, and I sometimes wish. singer. I wish. Yeah, it's going to happen. It absolutely it's, has it's, informed the music, though. 
somebody like Richard Pryor, you know. But that's the thing, and it's the same for me. But you know what? I don't think a lot of people get that I don't from your music. Because I'm real serious. Yeah. Singing a chord is fucking funny. It's funny. <laughs> who, who does that? That's, I, if I had known. I didn't write this. But you know who else did it? Who? Eddie Harris. And that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. That makes total sense to me. Yeah. I've never heard and him I do wasn't that. Because I was looking at that thread and I was just like, man. You should. I want to know. Nailed it. I, never, I didn't want to be like, oh, Eddie Harris. I would love to know. Chicago. I would, I would Chicago. love to know. Yeah, see? It's something Shut in the water. Down. Yeah. So, anyway, yeah. I, I just <laughs> I'm sure somebody can do it. I just haven't heard anybody do it. And I have been saving it because it was ugly to me and I couldn't. You know, the, the thing that really propelled me forward on that snarky puppy thing was the fact that... How did they find... Like, how did they get in touch with you? I don't huh? know. They Oh, okay. So their drummer is named Sput. I love him. Yeah. I, I don't know him. He's actually a badass keyboard player. I believe it. Rose player. And he's a writer and a producer, and he's a Grammy award-winning writer, and he mm. does all the oh, stuff. Wow. Like, he used to MD for Kim Burrell, and he used to work with oh. Kirk Franklin, and all these people. Oh, okay. So the arrangement of it's something is his arrangement. Wait, are they from Texas? Spud is from Texas. Because he must know like Bobby Sparks and all that. I do, yeah. Like, Bobby's yeah, in my Keith band. And, Absolutely. Yeah, oh, Bob's yeah. best. Yeah. yeah he's, I call okay. him the pirate. Oh, he with is the earrings insane. and thing. He's crazy. Yeah. I miss him. Yeah. But Spud actually called me in to do that. So he's the guy uh, that put it all together. Okay. What a production. I have I mean, to say, they killed this, that theater and the, and the camera work. It's beautiful looking. And that's what they do. And, it's, I mean, that's, yeah. you know, it's funny. We can talk all we want about, you know, Music on the radio is this, and blah, blah, blah. music is fine. Music is where music, music lives. Is, it's fine. You know, I, I said this in another. I, I sat down with a producer friend of mine named Peter Benetta, who did like just just a billion records, and 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 I had this thought that you know George, are you a George Carlin fan? Yeah. Okay. Huge. So you know how we always used to say like, well, global warming, like the planet's fine. The planet's We're fine. We're fucked. Right. The it's gonna shake your ass off so, like a tick. So, <laughs> <laughs> I always think, well, music is fine, yes. you know, like it's just whatever, you yes. know. But I see that, and I and I go, holy shit, there's yeah. there's hope. I just, I see, I'm, I'm, it was so good. I screamed, I like, I did, I was like, I, I hit you immediately. I was just like, ah, uh, thank you. Yeah, that was incredible. But but to bring it back to the prior thing, because we try, you know, we we digress. <laughs> um, I I wrote this letter to them, and I went and had a meeting, and. I, you know, you ever have those, you know, I don't know if you, you never have to go to like film studios or meet no, with you. You're, every once in a while I have to do this stuff and I always think of myself as like, I'm like this zoo animal that's been let out and I have to behave or they're going right. to really put me. Right. In. Yeah. I, I went and I was just like, I was so excited to see the footage that they were showing me and what, they were what very... Is it? It's a documentary about yeah. the life of Richard Pryor. Okay. It's, it's the BBC and Showtime did, and of course, yeah, I'm sorry, that's the first question you asked me. Yeah. I could have answered this 11 and a half <laughs> minutes ago, but I had to be a genius. No, um, yeah, it's just, it's it's his life story. Yeah. And is it stuff we haven't seen? and Tons. Oh my God, I a can't A ton wait. of stuff, we, you know, a ton of stuff you haven't seen. You know, it's a challenge though, because, I, you know, his estate, it's rough. It, it, it's it's no different than like I don't know, see. I, I hate being politically correct. Uh, what what were you saying? Oh, they're special. Yeah. Well, what's your term? Yeah. It's special. Yeah. It's sure. wrought as W. C. Fields used to say. It's wrought with imminent peril. Yeah. There are a lot of issues. So 
you know, it's, it's, it's a view of his life through a certain filter. The director, Marina Zenovich, and the, and the editor, Chris Peterson, killed it. Because I know, I know what they had to deal with. Mm-hmm. And, you know, listen, there are certain people that watch and they go, eh, you know, other people watch it. And they're just, they're torn apart because they go, wow, I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't know that, you know. So, yeah, there's a lot of stuff. I can't it. wait and, to see it. Yeah, and I, I did the score and, and, and I worked, actually, it was really a cool experience. I worked with Aaron Davis, Miles' son. Uh-huh. And he was kind of like, you know, he was my sort of connection to the director and the editor. And we just did this. He, he basically was like, listen, I, we want to make sure, because I had to do... I had to copy like Bitches Brew stuff. I had to do sound the likes of certain things. Oh, they yeah. cleared certain things. They didn't clear other things. It's a documentary. Interesting. So it was kind of a surreal experience to be like sending Bitches Brew Aaron couldn't get music. Bitches Brew cleared? What's that? Well, of course, Aaron and Vince can clear it, but there's only so much you can clear because they have partners. They, right. they, they, they own the publishing side of things, but they're partners, Sony. And, and, yeah, you yeah, know, licensing. I think what they did was they cleared stuff from, from Kind of Blue and they cleared a couple things, you know, a couple other things. But they were also like, hey, man, you, you do your thing too. Like, right. you know, so it was, I have to say, an absolutely incredible experience. Like, I'm to be able to work on something for some, he listen for me it's Lenny Bruce Richard Pryor yeah. George Carlin that's it for yeah. comedy I mean there's so many yeah, yeah 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 but in terms of what I discovered as a kid and what really blew me away that's it right there yeah. and to work on something like Richard Pryor wasn't minor in my childhood right. Richard Pryor was like right. That was my window into a world where, like, and, and unlike all the kids that lived in my neighborhood, I would go and hang out with Richard T. and Eric Gale and Chuck right. Rainey. I was Ralph McDonald. I was around all these guys, but I, you know, I lived in this little suburb, and it, you didn't know about black culture right. this way. Richard was the window for a whole, for, for the culture, like you're saying. Into, I think he was a window for both sides. Absolutely. Absolutely. Easily. I agree. Yeah. And it's funny, I, you know, yesterday I did an interview with uh, an artist and a producer, a guy named Joe Henry. Do you know who he is? Not a fan. And I, I didn't, I wouldn't think you would, but he's, um, how the best way to explain Joe? He, he just, he's a great producer. And he has this viewpoint on things. He comes out of that like T-Bone Burnett, Daniel Lenoir mm-hmm. school. They produced his first solo record. And he's a Richard Pryor freak too. Yeah. And he and his brother wrote this book about Pryor. And just to talk to him about it. Like, I don't, this is a show. Like, right. I don't want to just talk about Pryor in every episode. But right. your old man shared a secretary Yeah, with absolutely. Him. He wrote a book about him. This is, the, the truth is in the, you know, all roads lead to certain people. Right, right, right. He made the equa- he equated prior to being Charlie Parker. I I equated him more to to train just because I thought there was more emotion there and there was more, you know, I whatever. Hmm. It's just two guys yeah. having a thought. You yeah. know what I mean? It's just like he he made the direct literal parallel between the drug use and the unreliability yeah. and the emotion you know they're both emotionally all over the I place I can see that I can see that you know, with, I can with, see for his bird. generation for what that is and for I just, just thought art. it was too literal yeah you know it seems like it I mean but I can see I can see where you come with that yeah but I mean you know so whatever just to for my own thing you know we're all trying to work on things and be around certain things like listen I moved here LA is such a trip yeah this I've is had true. I've had more meetings, like the first six months I lived here, my wife was just like, she would always crack up because I'd come back from a meeting and she'd be like, how'd it go? And I'd be like, it was I, amazing. I don't know. 
No, no. Because I never hear from people that close. <laughs> well, that, well, that's, I'm getting to that. Yeah. I would always be like, that was, I think that was the best meeting I ever had. I, I'm about to work on the new Scorsese film. You know, not that. Right, but right, I'm just right, saying, right. like, everything seemed amazing. And then it was just like, uh, nothing's happening. Right. I mean, nothing's happening in so much as, you know, any kind of these meetings I go to, I'd be like, you never hear from anyone. Yeah, it's kind of a hypey town. It's a very hypey town. Yeah. And I, and then after about six months, I, just, I realized, like, you need to you need to go into these things. <laughs> I would I would just be like my old man. I'd be like, um, is there a check in this meeting <laughs> at any point? <laughs> right. Will, will you will will like you know human resources or is there going to be a check? And yeah. and some people really. So I mean I I'm not joking. I did yeah, that. I'm sure. And it turned into some gigs because you were just like, they were like oh we can't be rude. Right. <laughs> we gotta hire them for something. Hilarious. And the next thing you know I'm working on some insane thing. You like it here better than New York though. I love it here for this time in my life. Mm-hmm. I couldn't have lived 20 years ago if I moved here. I, I, I would have left. Did I you ever live in New I, York? I never did. And I really wanted to. And when I got out of school, all my friends lived in New York and they were all gigging and playing music. And I felt yeah. I would be in LA. I was sitting in my apartment in a marina and I'd just be in <laughs> tears watching the real world Boston. Like, oh, my friends are playing music. And I'm here in this soft ass town. I don't yeah. have my car yet. And it was horrible. I just felt like it was horrible. I felt like I was going to get soft yeah. and like I was not going to learn Schofield solos the same way and I wasn't going to be around my peers and, right. you know. Well, that's like, you know, it's like, you know, separation, anxiety, yeah. where am I? I? There's no way I could live in New York at this point in my life. I, there's no way I think I'm so claustrophobic there. Oh, okay. Just from a I just literal. can't. I just, it's trash day every day. <laughs> I can't. I cannot do it. Wait. It's trash day. It is. It's every trash day every day. It's the, oh. it's the there's the sunlight. It's, it's so beautiful when you're there and you have money. Oh. I think you need your late night talk show. Uh, you know, man. I don't. I, honestly, it would be fun to do something like that. And and Rasan and I have this thing on YouTube called the Law and Raw Show. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know about it. We have like 15 episodes. They're little short little things that I have we both edited and put oh, okay. up and you know. Oh, that's great. It would be fun to do. Sure. What's keeping you from it? Now, yeah, this is the time that you can do anything you I mean, Charlie and I are doing this show and before you know it, we'll have like 40 hours of wild people talking about cool stuff. I mean, yeah. like why you just have wait. to you have to make the decision you're exactly right why wait you have to make the decision to why do it wait? and be committed to it and do it you know we had this idea two weeks ago we already had <laughs> we have, we got 12 people already that's awesome yeah i mean you know so i'm glad yeah. to be in the number yeah thank you you're for in, the, yeah, me in the number in the early run here but no I, you know well let's let's figure out what's a great way to end can i ask you to maybe tell me something about growing up Oh, I don't want to do some trite bullshit, but I want to, I want to, <laughs> and I'll see, and I'll keep that in there. I don't care. I want to know something about you and growing up you that your fans or people that would just think, well, most of us, why I don't know, everything was, you know, tell me something I don't know, because, or tell me something, you know, hmm. oh, I'm about to tell you something you don't know. What? How's that sound? Yeah. Did you know that on the Roberta Flack Donnie Hathaway record, uh, is it for all we know that he sings? Yes. I think you told me this story. Did I tell you? I think so. I must have been through email or something. I can't remember. Tell me. Maybe was it you that told me this story? The version of 
that they recorded is the only time he sang it that day and he had just learned the song and that's the first take. That's crazy. And my father was the producer. Yeah. And he said, without a doubt, that was probably the most masterful musical thing he had ever seen in his life. He couldn't believe that Roberta said, and you know, she might hear this and go, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> she taught him the song. I'm glad there was a witness. He heard it. Yeah. And my father looked at Gene Paul and he said, can you please record this now? Because this, this is going to be spectacular. And, and he refers to himself. He's like, no one living produced that record. That happened. And that's it. Yeah. And it's so magical. And I did. I mean, did I tell you that? I, I feel like someone told me that. I thought it was you. That maybe even that during the recording that she's given him the changes. She, she's. She, if you listen closely, I think you can hear the lyrics. She's. She's feeding him text, almost like Shut there's there's up. Ray Charles records that are similar too, because you know there are things right. you know that he's being fed lyrics. He's. I think it's really faint because you know they they would work on that, but yeah. Um, that's so deep. It's beyond deep. Because if you listen to that, I mean, yeah. oh, it's, it's I mean, crazy. who am I telling? It's like it's I'm preaching to the Mormon Tabernacle yeah. Choir. You know? It's so crazy, too, that the older I get, the more I get this information. Like when I was 16, 20, 25, yeah, you know I, I couldn't, and, and I couldn't hear it. Nobody had it to tell me. It was weird. Mm -hmm. I think that people. I could have told you that day in the lobby. See, see you could have. I, I, had I, been I knew so it busy. then. <laughs> but I mean, I think I had this veneer up, and I, I hear it from people all the time. Like, people do interviews with me, and they'll say, oh, okay, well, if it's okay, we'll talk about your dad. And I'm like, of course it's okay. It's my daddy. But mm -hmm. I think I know that people sense that on me that I had that stay the fuck off me vibe you know what oh. i mean because i'm dealing with it good well we beat this up <laughs> layla hathaway we beat this up i Thank appreciate it it's good to talk so, to you man yeah well we'll do this offline you have to do a lot of editing on this no i know trust you me to edit a whole bunch of shit no i won't it's all going in <laughs>